Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more movie and nostalgia podcasts, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we revisit pop culture from our youth to see if it's as good all grown up. I'm Jordan Poling clark and with me is my co-host, Kara Gale-O'Regan. Hello. Or, as my text edit would tell me, Kara Gale-O'Regan. <laughs> and today is a very special episode episode. And I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Um, Kara, do you have anything that you want to get to before we get into what this is and what we watched? I don't think so. Cool. Listen to Cinemakers, okay. where we're talking about Amy Heckerling. Oh, soon the Clueless episode will be out, so you gotta subscribe. Because Clueless is everything. Oh my god, it really, truly is. I read a whole book about it. Do you think an episode goes by where we don't talk about Clueless? Uh, no, I don't. At least not, not any time recently, because I have watched it three times in, like, the last month. It would be fun to, um watch yeah it with no i'm not done (laughs) (laughs) it would be fun to watch it with different people and especially people Mm. who haven't seen it before Mm -hmm. like i have a lot of friends who are younger who like were barely even born then i'd be curious to know what they think and like dudes i would love to like watch it with some dudes who've never seen it before Mm. anyway because like you could just have a clueless podcast yeah we could watch clueless over and over forever just, like, keep finding new lenses to watch it through yeah well <laughs> i joked when we uh, recorded the clueless episode for cinemakers we actually did it in person at mike's house um and i i joked like ahead of time like i hope you guys are ready to talk about clueless for six hours uh i think the episode's only going to be about two hours which is impressive that i didn't just talk so much more um but then I was like we should just do like three more episodes where we record ourselves watching the movie and I just point out all the good outfits and then we could do another one where I point out all the good flower arrangements there's so much the movie is just everything it's so good the tv show on the other hand not as much I don't remember liking it at all because I mean I had a hard time with the casting because mm-hmm. they just like replaced Cher and I like the actress that they replaced her with mm-hmm. but she's not Alicia Silverstone yeah so. and the costumes also are I mean you know and it, it makes sense going from film down to like a TV episodic TV budget um, the costumes are very cheap and terrible and it's sad oh that is sad yeah also they like recast a bunch of other people and it's really weird and it's just, like, very 1997 in, like, a not great way. Right. The movie is, like, very 1995 in all the best ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, today we will be talking about... Well, I watched five very special episode episodes. If you don't know what I mean when I say that, there is a phenomenon that happened a lot in the 90s, and as we'll talk about, some before that also, but I feel like it really like had its peak in the like late 80s and early 90s. Do you think that's true, Kara? I don't know, but that is the time when we were watching TV, so... Right. <laughs> and there was a lot more TV then, mm, also. True. Like, you know... Um, 
it, but it was this thing where sitcoms would do an episode with a message. And, like, while I was watching these, I was like, oh, shit, like, every, a little bit every episode of a sitcom is like this. But, you know, they tried to pick, like, a trendy topic of the day. Like, in our time, it was, like, about sex or drinking or, like, HIV or, like, just, like, things that felt progressive that people were talking about to young people. Mm -hmm. Is that a good way to describe that? Sure. Cool. So, I watched an episode of Saved by the Bell called Jesse's Song, which if you watch Saved by the Bell, this is likely the one episode that you remember. Or you just remember the Jesse Spano drug freakout part from the internet. Right, totally. Um, I watched an episode of Full House called Under the Influence. Okay, I, so that was the one that you watched. I wasn't sure if I watched the right one, but that was what I watched. Oh, I found, <laughs> side note, I found a few times during this that my memories were just wrong of a lot of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, because then I watched the Fresh Prince episode called Bullets Over Bel Air, and then quickly realized that what I was actually thinking of was a Family Matters episode called The Gun, so I also watched that. Um, and then we both definitely watched a two-part episode of Maud called Maud's Dilemma. Which really blew my pants off. Yeah, so we're going to save that for last because I, I'm pretty sure we'll have the most to say about that one. Yeah. Um, but and that was the only one that I had never seen before. Yeah. I thought that I had never seen Maud before, like, as a show, because it was from the early 70s. But then uh, the theme song, and then I, like, recognized a lot of the characters, so I guess I had seen it before, but I don't think I had seen those two episodes, and wow, 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 wow. Yeah, I want to just watch, like, all of Mod now, maybe? We could maybe just be a Mod podcast now. Okay, for a while, yeah. Sure. Um, so let's start with Saved by the Bell, though, because mm-hmm. um, I think when, like, people of our generation think of very special episode episodes, yeah, like... This is the one they think the of, right? prototypical, very special episode, which made me cry. Like... I cried during every single one of these. Interesting. You know what? I only watched Maud, Saved by the Bell, and half of uh, Fresh Prince. Oh, Bullet. you would have cried. I mean, if you were, like, in a crying mood, like, the yeah. end of Fresh Prince is where you cry. It gets really serious. Oh, wow. Um, I'll, I'll finish it later. I just have had a busy week. The end um, is really good. Well, that's good to hear but I it had been probably 20 years since I saw this Saved by the Bell episode in its entirety longer than that probably um and I had only seen just like Jessie just the part of her freak out where she's like I'm so excited I'm so excited I'm so scared is that where you cried <laughs> Well, it was seeing that, like, in context, like, and yeah. seeing the full mm-hmm. scene was, you know, what had previously been really funny and, like, kind of a joke was, like, oh, no, like, this is really sad and upsetting and, like, she really has a problem. Um, okay, so to back it up just a little in case you have no idea what we're talking about, this is an episode of Saved by the Bell, which is about six teenagers in high school in California and in the early 90s 
in the early 90s and they're like so cool except one of them's a nerd and all but other five of them are like so beautiful and like so cool whatever and they have the best clothes and hair <laughs> god they really do uh one of my notes is oh my god kelly kapowski in that lavender crop denim jacket like um my note oh. about her clothes was the um the uh, mock turtleneck. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, Leotard I also took a note wore. about that. Yes, I want that right now. <laughs> Amazing! That whole that whole scene. There's a music okay, video in okay, this. Okay, okay, we'll get there. We'll I, get there. Wait, let I me just, get through the plot. We can do this. I know, <laughs> I know. Okay, so uh, right, teenagers. Um, this episode centers mostly around Jesse, who is like, I think the smartest one i mm-hmm. think they're clear about that she's like super smart she wants to go to stanford um but she's also, she's also super like beautiful gorgeous this, like, yeah beautiful long curly hair which made me really regret cutting mine off recently um she's played by elizabeth berkeley who is very famous for being in that terrible movie striptease where she's a stripper is that what it's called striptease i think so showgirls it's called showgirls striptease is the one with Um, me more so yeah if if you don't know her from saved by the bell maybe you know her from showgirls but yeah anyway so she is studying a shit ton she's like really wants to get into stanford she's like really stressed out about her grades um, and then while she's trying to study, she's also her and the two other women are in like have become a girl group that has to do a performance for like some record label people, but not through any actions of their own. Like, no, no, no. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. To be doing this. I have I have okay. things to say about that. But so she gets really stressed out and to keep going and do all the things that she has to do she starts taking caffeine pills um which in the original script were was speed it wasn't caffeine pills right so um and she gets it it makes a lot more sense yeah Yeah. so she gets addicted to them um and like falls apart um so yeah so in the original script it was speed not diet pills but standards and practice at NBC, I think this was on, whatever network they were on, was like, no, 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 you can't put speed on a Saturday morning, like, kids show. And they kind of tried to fight for it, and then were like, all right, whatever, like, what can we make it? And the deal was they had to make it caffeine pills. So that's why the reactions are, like, so oversized for what she's actually taking. Um, But they thought it was, like, still... It was. They still felt strongly about making the episode, mm-hmm. even if that's what it had to be. And I would say that this is like the most enduring episode of Saved by the Bell. Would you? Yeah. Maybe. Like the I mean, the thing that has like made its way into mainstream culture and like persisted over time. Yeah, except for the thing that went around where it was like Zach Morris is the worst. What was it called? Did oh, you ever see know. that? I don't know. It's like a whole video, cause like Zach Morris. Because was he like, is the worst. Yeah, but he was like the main character of that show, and yeah, man, he just is like awful. Mm-hmm. So there was like there is like a viral video in the last couple of years that went around that was just like here's all the reasons why Zach Morris was a terrible human being. I took a note during this episode. Zach is so mean. Slater is so mean. Both exclamation well, points. Both of them, and even and even Screech is not mean per se but like he like stalks lisa turtle for the entire series and she's like no 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 and he just like keeps 
stalking her. Mm-hmm. Up so, to and including in this episode, uh, disguises himself as an older Irish woman who is in the girls' locker room to clean. Yeah, so that they can record the girls singing Without so that they knowledge. can secretly send the tape to the people at the record label because the boys think that the girls should be a girl group. And the girls are like, no, that's okay. We don't really want to do that. And like, then the guys are like, no, you're doing it. Because it's fun. Like, we just like to sing. Yeah. Yeah, so the women were, like, really forced into doing this thing. Like, they didn't really care or want it. And I feel like that's kind of what what this whole show maybe was, like, Mm -hmm. a lot. And then the girls are just like, oh, they're being boys. They're cute, and we're going to also make out with them. Mm -hmm. Which, like, literally does happen in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, like, Slater is mean to Jesse. Like, he's mean to her. Yeah. He's terrible. And, like, like, extremely misogynist. Yeah. And she's mean. It's, like, very gendered. (laughs) It's very gendered, and Jesse is like talks like a good feminist, but has no idea how to actually act like one. Like she has no idea how to be like Slater. Fuck off! Yeah. Like stop it. No, instead you know? she, he like helps her study, and she's like, "Will you marry oh, me?" Oh, thank you. Oh God. Okay, and then the thing that like kills me at the end. So okay, so she has her freak out, and then they're all like visiting her at the end, and. And she's apologizing to them, mostly the men. Mm-hmm. Like, because her friends understand. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't have to apologize to them. But she's, like, saying she's sorry to everybody. And it's like, girl, like, you don't have to do that. Like, stop it. And they're all letting her do it. Yeah. Uh, a quick note about Slater. Remember how in the last episode I said that I think that mullets are going to make a comeback? Yeah. Check out Mario Lopez's mullet in The Saved by the Bell. Just one episode he later, does. here we are. We have a exemplary mullet. He has a curly mullet. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the music um, video now? Yeah. <laughs> or did you want to continue talking about the serious part? No, okay, well, I have more things to say about the serious part. If we get, we'll get it all out of the way, and then we'll do the mm-hmm. fun parts. Um, I, I also hated that, like, there was one part, the part where she's like, I'm so excited, I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. And she's freaking out. Like, Zach is the one to comfort her. Yeah. And be like, no, 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 it's okay. Except, like, he is half the reason why this is happening to her. You know, like, he pushed her to do yeah. a bunch of stuff that she didn't want to do. And she was really clear about that. And he pushed her to do it anyway. They all did. Yep. Um, and then, oh, <laughs> I, I just wrote down, I definitely cried when she freaked out because isn't that every woman ever, even without drugs? <laughs> like, isn't yeah. that just all of us all the time anyway? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like trying really hard not to freak out and be does. like, I'm so scared. Yeah, it was super interesting to watch this again and, like, watch the gender dynamics and be mm-hmm. like, oh, if this is how I learned about, or at least, like, partially, like, how I learned about how men and women deal with each other. Ugh. Yikes. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jessie has a really intense Greenpeace poster on her bedroom wall. I think I might have screenshot it, so hang on. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, we are looking at a shot of 
Zach Morris with his big dumb mouth open, and in the background is a Greenpeace poster with the like top half of the Statue of Liberty against like dark and stormy skies, which I guess are supposed to be like nuclear clouds because it says do nothing and nuclear testing will eventually come to an end, as in like everything will come to an end. Yeah. So Jessie's pretty intense. Yeah, she also has a poster with the cure on it. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, but yeah, she's just a very intense person, and like, it's like she she could have gotten to this point, like you said, even without drugs, like just taking on too way too much, and like not getting enough rest, and like whatever. Um, and I just, I wish that they hadn't used caffeine pills in this situation because, like, when the whole messaging around drugs and the war on drugs, uh, in the 90s was not good. Um, and when they lie to us and they say that these lesser drugs, I don't know, it's hard to talk about because like caffeine is no less of a drug than like methamphetamine or cocaine are like they are still a drug but it's like a socially acceptable one but also like no matter how much caffeine you consume unless you consume like a potentially dangerous amount like you're not gonna get to that point that Jesse is at necessarily and not necessarily to like a crisis point like 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 I said it can be a combination of like too much caffeine and stress and whatever but the way that she's acting is like when I was watching it I was like she's acting like she's on a different a very different kind of drug you know yeah um and I feel like you know when when they lie to young people about drugs that aren't necessarily as serious as some of the other ones then it like they like kids know that you're lying about it like marijuana for example like they talked about that being a gateway drug and that like if you smoke pot like you're gonna get addicted and like your life will be ruined or whatever and like obviously for most people, that is absolutely not the case, unless, I don't know, I'm digging myself a real hole here. Um, what was I even trying to say? Do you know? You didn't like the, no, I think you said what you wanted to say. Yeah. I think, it I sounds just... like your point is just that, like, if we treat all drugs the same, which they often, like, did when in the 90s, because it was just like, nobody do drugs bad forever, don't do it, your brain will break. Um... That it gets it gets kind of muddled if you're just, like, treating them all the same. That was a much more efficient way of saying it. <laughs> all right, do you want to talk about the music video? Oh, my God. I don't even know if I can you... other than just, like, screaming. Is this song a real song, or did they make it for the show? I meant I no to idea. Google it. Okay, so yeah. the girls perform a music video, like, to send to the record people. Um, and it's just like, I mean, this, this wasn't even the eighties anymore, was it? This was the nineties now, mm-hmm. huh? It looks like the eighties. Well, it's 1990. So it's, okay. you know, it's on the cusp. Yeah. Um, you know, thong tards and their hair is just like so big and amazing. Mm-hmm. 
and they're doing like jazzercise aerobic. They have at least three costume changes in this music yeah. video, but like the setting doesn't change. They're st- still in the same yeah, place they're doing just the exact like same fa- thing. They're just like crossfading in the same setting to different costumes. There, some of them aren't even crossfades. Some of them are just really? like really ab- abrupt jump cuts of the same person suddenly in <laughs> a different outfit, which I found very confusing. Yeah. And Kelly Kapowski's hair doesn't move the entire time. And it's so tall and she has so many bangs. Um, I'm curious if you had the same thought. Because they put Jessie up front. And don't get me wrong, Elizabeth Berkeley is a gorgeous person in every way. But like Kelly Kapowski, I don't even know what her name is. Tiffany Amber Thiessen? Is that yeah, that's her? her name. Uh, is way hotter and I don't understand why she's not the one in front. You know? Like she, she would be the lead thing. singer. Oh, okay. Because, um, yeah, Lisa, yeah, Lisa Turtle is definitely the tiny. tallest. Yeah. But Lisa, but she's beautiful too. Oh, of course. Of course. I just, I, I know. Kelly really, Kapowski's like the one. I have a really big crush on her, even at the, like, to this day. Um, I'm looking up whether that was an original song. I am too, else. but I don't know what to Google. Uh, the episode is called Jesse's Song, so I I'm know, just. No, but it doesn't. There's not a lot of like info about the episode. Yeah, I'm looking through uh, the trivia on IMDb. Well, the caffeine pills that Jesse Spano takes were really red hot cinnamon candy. Oh, she probably had such bad heartburn. <laughs> oh, the video about Zach Morris is called Zach Morris is Trash. Mm. Uh, the song is featured on a CD of the soundtrack to the TV series, but it doesn't say. <laughs> okay, can I read this? Mm-hmm. This lists some of the examples from Zach Morris's trash. That time Zach Morris fat-shamed a girl who won him in a charity auction. <laughs> oh, God. That time Zach Morris made a girl in a wheelchair feel terrible. Oh, God. That time Zach Morris got Jesse hooked on caffeine pills. <laughs> yeah, because he gives them to her. He, yeah, whatever. Or does he? No. I don't think he gives them to Never her. Mind. She has no, them herself. She said but... she went to the drugstore and she got them herself. Yeah, you're right. The time, wait, does he give them to her? She's drinking coffee at the beginning mm-hmm. that they serve at their high school or whatever. No, I don't think the Max is at their the high Max school. The Max is totally at their high school. You don't think oh. it's at their high school? Maybe it's, like, across the street. We had a pizza place across the street from my high school. Did everyone go there? It was called Pastabilities. No, (laughs) not really. (laughs) Uh, Actually, it was owned by one of my friend's parents. Um, They had great garlic knots. So people would mostly go there for garlic knots or because they had to, like, not be on campus smoking a cigarette. I think most of the traffic that went on in front of Pastabilities was just teen smoking <laughs> possibilities that's amazing yeah okay two more the time zach morris orchestrated a car accident that almost killed his girlfriend wow and the time zach morris gifted himself a homeless girl for christmas i remember oh, that no. one. Oh no anyway he's an asshole gets away with a lot of stuff because he's good looking and white oh there's mini tramp in the music video yeah, they have those tiny trampolines. Yeah, I yelled and I wrote it down. And I was like, ah, <laughs> mini tramp. Okay. Uh, is that everything from, I'm just going to look at my notes. 
oh when i i had to like sign up for like an nbc.com account to uh stream saved by the bell and one of the first commercials that played was a commercial about endometriosis which like i've seen that commercial that commercial comes up on my hulu all the time yeah it shocks me every time it happens because it's like a medical condition that uh despite being extremely common as in like affecting one in ten women during their reproductive uh lifespan and not just women but also non-binary people and trans men too uh it's like extremely common and we still know almost nothing about it because it mostly affects women and you know all this stupid things um but I have so many like mixed feelings when I see the commercial because it is a commercial from a pharmaceutical company uh and it just I have like a complicated relationship with that but oh it's cool that you know more people that are that's illegal almost everywhere else except for here oh yeah yeah it is it's um, fucked up and like I don't even think so the pharmaceutical company is Abvi. I don't know I don't they might make like Lupron, which is a, a hormone medication that some people with endometriosis take, but there's really no like specific treatment or medication for endometriosis. Like the really the only way to truly treat it is to have um, laparoscopic surgery and excision of endometriosis lesions, and even then. That doesn't always quite do it. Um, But so I don't know like what kind of stake they have in these commercials, but it's cool that like more people are hearing the word and more people are learning that things that they have been told were normal for so many years are like not necessarily, you know, Um, and that like people might be more comfortable talking to their doctors about it. And maybe their doctors are seeing this commercial, too, and taking it more seriously. Right. That's cool maybe yeah i i like in the commercial how it's a woman and then herself is talking to her mm-hmm. and, because she keeps downplaying her symptoms right, and, and saying like and her, oh, it's fine i guess right and her other self is like no why are you doing that <laughs> like yeah. no tell the truth which and, like, like i think I we all need one of those sometimes and i don't know why i think everybody does i don't know <sighs> i know i know and then i'll leave and be like Actually, uh, my quality of life right now is, like, really bad. Why didn't I say that? Uh, yeah. Because, I, I don't know. I think when I started in sickness and in health, I thought, like, downplaying medical symptoms and stuff was, like, just, like, a cultural thing, like an Irish thing. But it turns mm-hmm. out everybody does it. No, I think everybody yeah. does it. And it's just such a bizarre thing that I don't understand well do you think part of it is is so off topic do you think part of it is like the culture of medicine and like like oftentimes I mean until I moved here like now I sit here in Vermont and with my doctors I have like long conversations with them (laughs) but my experience before that was often like really rushed like I would only go to the doctor maybe if something was wrong or like every once in a while for just like a checkup or something it's like to and it feels like when you're sharing 
pain or discomfort mm-hmm. or just something that feels like vulnerable and personal. Oh, yeah. It helps like, if, if the person on the receiving end of it is only half paying attention and rushing yeah, through. Yeah, and like if you yeah. feel like you have like a relationship with that person yeah. where they're going to like hear you and take you seriously and like actually help you. Like, I don't know, there's a lot going on there, so. Yeah, I mean, it's that, like, it doesn't help that medicine is in its current form in the United States is set up in this way that, uh, you know, so many physicians have to have to work that way. It's not necessarily their fault. Uh, that does not help. But I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to that onion that like all contribute to to that and if you have practitioners that are able to spend time with you and that you do feel comfortable with and who take you seriously and listen to you when you say you might have a problem that helps a lot too and not every practitioner is like that I would uh, based on my experience uh, and I've seen a lot of them most are not like that and again it's like not necessarily always their fault but um, there's a very large empathy gap and also I mean you know we are so far off topic and um, but you know what I feel like this is actually not that far off topic because what I was about to talk about is how uh, women and people of color and trans people and you know like basically anyone who isn't like a cisgender white man um don't like there are studies that show that doctors take our pain less seriously and they don't believe us (laughs) and yeah you know it's and it's not just a research that shows that but like talk to the women in your life and you will hear a hundred stories about times that something was wrong and no one listened to them. Well, that's not just doctors. Right. It's very much a a cultural like thing, Um, which I watched that Rosemary's Baby remake and it deals with that so much more. And I found that really interesting. It was very good. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I recommend it. We talked about that in the last episode. Um, but I feel like somehow that, like, like, that piece of our cultural fabric that makes us all act in this really weird way, whether it's, you know, downplaying somebody, somebody else's experience or our own, um, folds right into so much of, like, what we talk about on this show with how our lives, like, lives and stories and women's stories in particular are shown in media yeah that was just a really weird ramble i'm sorry in a weird mood today can you segue it to a uh, full house no but i could segue it to mod which no mod has about. to go last uh, fine um segueing to because we are gonna get in like so many like mod is gonna go in so many different directions and it like and it stands out to me like even just because it's a totally different time period Mm -hmm. mod has to stand on its own at the end yeah well somehow i will get to full house eventually but this does uh connect with what i was just talking about when i started watching the first episode of uh the 
two-part episode, two-part story arc that that we're going to be talking about. Um, I paused it because B. Arthur is the uh, lead actress, the titled actress, eponymous. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. She's Maud, and <laughs> her <laughs> weird today. <laughs> Her best friend on Maud, which I did not realize, is Rue McClanahan, who played, who also played Blanche on Golden Girls. They were both on Golden Girls. And there's this incredible episode of Golden Girls, this clip that I, um, I don't know if I've ever actually seen the whole episode. I've just seen this clip of B. Arthur in this restaurant on this episode of Golden Girls. She sees this doctor that she had seen previously. He's there having dinner with his wife. And she goes over and she fucking sits down at his table and was like, I can't, I was suffering and I came to see you and you told me that I was just getting old or that it was all in my head and like whatever um and he like tries to get out of the situation and his wife is like shut up and listen <laughs> and yeah she tells She's him a- off Kara sent this clip to me earlier today so I have also seen this is and it's she's so funny and also like so righteous and she's like she like forces this guy to like sit down and and do what he could not do when she needed him, which is listen to her and like acknowledge that she, uh, she uh, was later diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, which is, I know a lot of people don't believe in, but is in fact a legitimate medical problem. Um, and so she, uh, she goes to him with this and forces him to listen to her. And it's just, I have fantasized about that. I would never do it because I would probably like pass out before I even got to his table. Uh, Or I would just be like so full of rage and shaking and unable to say anything coherent. But it uh, it's it's cathartic for me to just watch it, you know, and that like even though it's a TV show and this didn't actually happen in real life, it's um, I don't know. It's just very, very moving. We'll talk about this more later, but I agree that it was incredible. It was an incredible scene. And it's just, like, fascinating to me how we... The conversations don't feel like they've changed very much at all. Oh, yeah. And it hasn't Mm -hmm. been that long. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's been... It Mm -hmm. it hasn't been that long, and it also has been, like, very long. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, wait, we'll get to that. We will get to that (laughs) full house (laughs) okay um so when you when we were trying to figure out which episodes we were gonna do for uh this very special episode episode you were like i want to watch the episode of full house where gia gets drunk and that Um, is not a thing (laughs) and gia was a character played by uh what's her name marla sokoloff yeah and she was like a bad girl and she was one of the girl's friends and you she was Stephanie's was... friend and when they met she was like bad and she like smoked cigarettes and like was all angry Ooh. and stuff yeah and so you thought it was her that got it drunk. was not but no no it was it not. was Kimmy Gibbler of all people um, I wouldn't have pegged Kimmy as a uh, problem drunk really she's kind of silly <laughs> she's like a lot <laughs> yeah that's true um but so yeah, so in this episode, in the relevant parts of this episode, Question. there's other things Before that Before we get into what? that. What? The uncles. Are they real <laughs> uncles? Or are they just like One of them college is real... buddies? No, no, no. 
One of them is a real uncle. Jesse was is the brother of Danny's wife who has died. Oh, who was never on the show okay, because she's okay. dead. And that's Dave Cooley. Killed right? by a drunk driver, as we hear in we this episode. In this episode. Yeah. Um. And then and John Stamos Joey, is... No, no, Jesse is John Stamos. And then Joey, oh, okay. Dave Coulier, is not a real uncle. Just a buddy who needed a place <laughs> to live and never left. Or something. Okay. I don't know. Who is Jesse's lady with the twins? That's she's his wife. Very Becky. pretty. Yeah, Becky. She's so pretty. And she's actually very great in this episode. Yeah, she's wonderful. She, did you happen to check out that maxi dress that she was wearing? Uh, that was just a sweatshirt. Did, did a really I ever. long sweatshirt. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so really in the relevant, in the relevant, <laughs> in the relevant parts of this episode, um, DJ and Kimmy are going to a frat party, even though they're still in high school, and they are very open about it. Like, and her dad is like totally I know, fine with it. I and I and I actually really like that. Hmm. Um, they like are. He's like, well, like I have my DJ is a good kid, and I trust her, and they like talk about her going before they go. It's like really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's but hiding then, anything. But then until he they are, that he, then he used remembered to hit on high yeah. school girls at frat parties, and, and that he was like the worst, ugh. and like wasn't nice to them, which I didn't like. Yeah. Um. So then. DJ and Kimmy go to this party, and Kimmy gets very drunk, and she gets them kicked out, and... But her memory of it is that she was the belle of the ball, and yeah. DJ was, like, a total buzzkill, and was like, we have to leave, but that's not what actually happened. No. So then, they go home, she covers for Kimmy, because she's a good friend, they get in a fight because Kimmy's like, that's not what happened. And DJ's like, no, no, no. Like, I put my ass on the line for you and, like, deal with it. And I was um, talking to a cute boy, but my elbow was in some dip. Okay, she said that her elbow was in clam dip. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, I forgot it was clam dip. That is so much worse. I don't know what that is. It's disgusting. Um, but also, like, when she's telling her side of the story, we see her sitting on a couch uh flanked by two men who are clearly so much older than her <laughs> and she was like well, Am I talking to two very nice gentlemen or blah 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 and i was like no that still looks extremely predatory <laughs> like what's, what's yeah. going on there yeah i mean it, you know it was still this storyline of like we are pretty women and we are going to meet cute men who might take advantage of us mm. i don't know it was still like and that, that. is the goal that vibe, yeah. And that would have been the goal for me, too, which is fine. Whatever. I mean... At that age. Yes. And that... It's like a... It's such a constant narrative mm-hmm. that it's problematic. Like, yeah. not that it's incorrect or whatever. It's just, like, if that's the only narrative that we're constantly telling, then that's a problem. It's the only problem I have with Clueless that share will not date high school boys but at the same time I'm like but I get it high school boys are undateable so sorry I just had to sneak clueless in there one more time (laughs) oh 
many more. You should keep a tally of how many you get in. Um, I wrote, I mean, I know that sitcoms aren't realistic. I know that's not their the purpose. None mm-hmm. of this. Nothing we watch. Most of it, the purpose is not to be realistic. It's been so long since I've actually, like, watched a sitcom. It took me a little while to, like, get back into the well, headspace to be able just, to enjoy it. They're so different now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also that. Like, I mean, especially... Especially watching Maud, I was like, okay, this is a different thing. Oh, well, that's a totally, again, we'll get there. It's a totally different thing. Um, well, and interesting to see how it evolves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, on Full House, the real, like the reality that they live in is just, like, so ridiculous. Like, there was a line in, in when they were at the party, and the dudes whose frat it was were like, hey, get your friend out of here. Like, she's trouble. Like, we already kicked out the guys who brought the beer. Like, really? You're having a frat party and you kicked out the guys who brought the beer? Like, what is this? Like, I don't know. I've, I've never been in a frat, but I'm pretty sure that's not usually how it goes. I only went to two frat parties, and it is my understanding that they are very much unlike other frat parties. I mean, right. you know, same kind of stuff went on, but, like, one was in Boston, in like mm-hmm. a small apartment and then the mm-hmm. other one Ramapo had a frat apparently no, really yeah I guess they did and it was some house off campus and it was just a house party I don't know it was a Halloween party actually so but you know I don't think I was there for very long um anyway but so yeah I mean I think watching this was the time when I like m- very much had the feeling of like Oh, but, like, every episode of this is a very special episode. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's all, it's so, And that's like, why I wasn't sure I watched based. the right one. I was like, well, I, I guess, I think it's this one. It could be this no, one. I but just it could be any other episode. They're just all like that. Because apparently the episode right before this one is, like, DJ and Kimmy are in the car with some older boys who mm-hmm. are driving unresponsibly. And that was also a very special episode. Yeah. About safe driving. I'm sorry I'm eating. I am so nauseous. And I Aww. just needed to eat some ginger. Oh, okay. So some. I apologize for my chewing noises. I well, know that this is not... What am I chewing? What, while you chew, I can talk about the two episodes that I watched that you didn't watch. Okay. They were both gun violence episodes of two different shows from the same-ish time period. Let me see what years they were. So the first one was the Fresh Prince episode called Bullets Over Bel Air. Um... Which is from 1994. And I still apparently know all of the words to the opening theme song. Doesn't everybody? Maybe. I did go to um, school in Philadelphia, though, and they <laughs> force you to learn it. Where they they force you, you to learn it mm-hmm. upon entering Philadelphia? Yep. yep. They're like, welcome, here's your guide. And Here are your keys. Sing. But we can't give them to you until you pass this quiz where you have to recite all of the lyrics to the Fresh Prince theme theme song. (laughs) No, it was mostly like other people coming to visit and then they'd like be like, yo, West Philadelphia, born and raised. I'm like, okay, we get it. You know, that and the running up the art museum steps. Oh, and going to, yeah, and going to... Uh, this club that I don't remember the name of, but the real world Philadelphia people would go there. So people were like, can we go to that that bar? Mm. That's all that Philadelphia has to offer. Googled it. It won't tell me which bar. Shampoo, mm. I want to say. I might be wrong. Um. Okay. 
So, in this episode of The Fresh Prince, uh, Carlton and Will are robbed while at an ATM. Uh, robbed at gunpoint. And Will... But they were about to go camping together. <laughs> I don't know why any of that had to happen. They were... The, the setup of it was that Will messed up one of Carlton's pieces of camping equipment and so they went to the ATM so that Will could pay him back for it. Like, immediately, I guess, before they went camping. I don't know. Um, yeah, it really takes a long time to get to Exposition. the of this one. Uh, so Will gets in between Carlton and the bullet and gets shot, and Carlton doesn't. And Will is fine. Oh, good, uh, but, because you know, I only, I, t- I had to turn it off when he was in the hospital. Oh, he's fine. He's fine. I mean, I figured yeah. he probably was, but you never know. That could have been the, season, the series But finale. he did get shot, uh, and uh, so the rest of the episode is kind of just like the aftermath of that, where, like, you know, he, his character on that show is, like, very, just always making jokes about everything, and so he's kind of doing that. And, like, is trying to make, like, light of the situation and, like, keep it, keep it light. And, like, he's, you know. Uh, but Carlton gets, like, really upset about it. And, like, not just upset about it, but ups- upset about, like, the whole world, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, his whole world is shattered that this could happen. And that, like, they don't have any information about the person who shot Will. They so- don't even show the person. I love that, and I can't wait to talk about that. But hold okay. on. Um, uh, so, yeah, he gets all down on, like, the legal system. And, like, the dad in the show is a judge. So he's, like, they're debating about that and, like, debating about whether or not the legal system works. Um, and so, but because Carlton's all pissed off, the only thing he thinks he can do is buy a gun, which he does. Mm. And then comes to well, visit... What? You know, what? the only thing that will stop a bad guy with a gun it's is a with Carlton a with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't believe that at all. So he goes back to the hospital with the gun to see, not like he's like waving the gun around. He just like has it in his pocket and he goes to see Will and they hug and Will feels the gun in his pocket and he's like, uh, dude, what are you doing? And Carlton's like, I need it for protection, blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, making that argument. And Will, this is where it gets really serious. Because he's like, Carlton's like, aren't you scared? Like, you know, that this could just happen to you and blah, 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 whatever. You're over here making jokes. And Will, like, starts to talk about how scared he is. Um, But that he still, like, really believes that, like, Carlton should not have this gun. And, like, really starts to, like... It gets really intense. He's like, Carlton, give me the gun. Like, give me the He's like yelling at him. Um, it's like, that's when I start to cry. <laughs> um, wow. And then, of course, he does give him the gun and leaves the room all pissed. And Will, like, opens it, takes out the bullets. Um, and that's, like, the end of that episode. Wow. Um, what year was that from? 1995. So, a couple thoughts. Uh, right, like you said before, when they show, when they are held up at gunpoint, you don't see the person who is holding them up at gunpoint, which I yeah. assume was like on purpose. Yeah, like of course. it, 
they made it a male because you hear the voice, mm-hmm. but they didn't give the male a skin color or a look or anything. Like, they just totally left that out of it, which I really liked. It looks dumb in the episode because, like, <laughs> it, it, it also kind of looks like they used, like, stock footage of a gun going off. Yeah, which they probably did. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a good a good choice, a nice choice to have made. Mm-hmm. A little different. Um, did you want to say more about that? Uh, I didn't watch the whole episode, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably would have a lot more to say, but I did not finish it. It's just, it's interesting that, um... In the episode, it's just Carlton has lived this, like, very sheltered existence, and obviously Will's life experience has been radically different, um, and it's, I don't know, I was gonna say something about, like, how people show fear, but I am too tired to (laughs) articulate it, you know? Like, this is the first time Carlton has ever had to be afraid of something, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Versus kind of constantly living in a place of fear because of all the shit that you've seen. Yeah. Which, like, Will has developed this, like, self-defense mechanism to, like, deal with it. And it's Mm -hmm. that he just, like, you know, makes jokes about everything all the time. Yeah. And, like, Carlton doesn't, like, have... He hasn't developed really, like, any tools to deal with it. Right. Because he just never had to. Um... I love, though, uh, what's that Carlton's older sister? Lisa? She's she, incredible. She's, like, the, the ditzy one. Yeah, she's supposed to be really at dumb. At the hospital, she's talking to a nurse, like, can we get, like, at least some pastels or, like, something? Those white sheets are terrible. But I love that, like, for as, like, self-involved as that character is, like, in this moment, in this way, this is... She's trying to help, and this is how, this is just how she know. like, this is her version of, of trying to help. She's always, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, her name is Hillary. Lisa's his mm. girlfriend, my okay. bad. Um, yeah, no, she's always like that. Like, she's dumb, and they make fun of her for being dumb, and she's kind of, like, superficial. But she is, like, part of the family and does, like, want to take care of everybody the, the way she knows how, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um... The only other note that I have from this just says, there's a lot of women rolling their eyes at men in sitcoms. Because <laughs> yeah, it happened is. like a bunch in Full House and yeah. probably in Saved by the Bell too. So by this point I was just like, ugh, this is what happens in these. Um, so then, so then, like, in the middle of this I realized what I actually wanted to watch was a Family Matters episode called The Gun. And Family Matters is the one with Urkel, right? Steve Urkel, yeah. Okay who um, is very stylish by today's standards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> go back and watch. I'm going yes. to go, I'm gonna go his, like, Steve Urkel pick. His socks are white, so they're kind of the wrong color, and his pants are, like, a little bit too high, maybe? But, like, yeah. other than that, in this episode, oh, wow. yeah, he's, you're right. like... <laughs> he looks good. And Jalila White is... A very handsome adult man. Oh, yeah. Well, remember, he was handsome then, too. Remember, they used to put him in a magic box and turn him into Stefan every once in a while? And then Laura would be in love with him. Yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. And then Stefan would go away, and Steve Urkel would come back. And she had no idea that he was the same person. (laughs) 
Um, <clears throat> so, in the gun, Laura, who... I, they have two... They have three children in this family. Um, she's, like, the middle child, I think. Um, and she's in high school, and she is at school and these girls who like I assume were maybe like in a gang I don't know there's there's some nasty girls who come up to her and are like give me your jacket and she's like no and they're like no give me your jacket and so they really like like beat her up to get her jacket um and then they threaten her um I was just scrolling through pictures of Steve Urkel and I forget what this photo of Jay-Z is from, um, but he has these big glasses on, and yeah, I he see it. seriously looks like Urgle. That just made me laugh. Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, continue talking about this very special episode. So they beat her up, these girls, and then... I don't even remember, like, how or when, but they end up, like, threatening her again with a gun mm-hmm. like stay out of her way or you know this is what's gonna happen to you something like that and uh so she's like figuring out how to deal with that and like she doesn't tell her parents but she does tell i think her brother and urkel and so they're like trying to protect her and uh the girls come back and threaten her friend who has just bought new sneakers because now they want her sneakers and the friend bought a gun uh so the friend is like all ready to defend herself she's like i'm not worried about it and then these girls come back and the friend ends up getting shot and you know then laura tells her parents about everything um and the girl is okay but then they they do like a gun drive for people to come like return their guns like hand mm-hmm. their guns in and one person does it <laughs> and that that's what i remember is i remember the, the that part at the end where they just have this like empty box and this like one white dude comes and puts his gun in the box and then leaves um so that's that one and that and then at the end this was the only one that we watched today where i where this happened the whole cast like is out of character and like like is like hey if you know anyone who like has a gun or is thinking about getting oh, one yeah. or if you like hear any anything like you should tell a teacher you, you should tell you love, blah, blah, yeah blah, 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 blah. yeah that they, was like, a very they, common thing that would come on at like the end of episodes or like sometimes like at the after coming back from a commercial break yeah so they did one of those at the end of this episode and like so after watching like those two episodes in a row I had, like, two questions that I cannot answer. Like, both of these things are, like, totally outside my realm. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first is, like, how... This was before Columbine. Mm. So, like, the narrative about gun violence, I think, and especially gun violence in schools, Mm -hmm. is very different now because school shootings are such a different thing now. Right. Which, like, kind of leads me into my other thing that is so far outside of my realm that I don't even know what to say about it except for that I had this thought um and it's that both of these sitcoms are about black families yeah um and and so then I was like okay like I would be so curious to know 
what these felt like to black kids like mm-hmm. watching this and black kids from places where like maybe this is more relevant because like this was not relevant in my life mm-hmm. you know um and and then also like I was really curious whether there were black writers enough black writers on these shows mm-hmm. I'm sure there were black writers I started to look it up and definitely found some um but I got curious about those things and like don't you know can't really say very much else about it except that yeah yeah and I can't really say much else about it either but I think um to your point about the kind of narrative about gun violence in schools to this day there's like a very stark dichotomy with how people talk about it depending on whether the school is predominantly white or predominantly black you Mm -hmm. know what I mean where Mm -hmm. um you know school shootings and white schools are these big things that make the news whereas the like gun violence in black communities at least in the mainstream is often um kind of treated as this monolith and not actually a complicated story with like all different kinds of gun violence the way that white people also experience all different kinds of gun violence Mm -hmm. you know and it's all just gang related urban you know these things that like don't happen to white people or whatever which is obviously not the case um oh here's the specific reason why i was like did white did like dumb white people write this (laughs) is because there's a line in it carl the dad's name is carl he's a police officer he is talking to his wife the kids are all upstairs he's talking to his wife and he says something like well you know when i was young i never had to worry about this stuff Mm -hmm. like when you were a young black man 20 years before this you were not worried about race or violence or whatever you know like that would have been in like the 60s or 70s like Mm -hmm. what are you talking about so i just thought Uh, that was like seemed really strange to me yeah well i think for him to say it is strange but also people have a a tendency to idealize their childhoods and sure you know yeah um but also where does that show take place because i know obviously fresh prince of bel-air is southern california but i feel like that's i don't know that's a good question maybe or yeah it's it's some like city or like suburb of a city let me see it's not pittsburgh chicago i mean which is very often the center of a lot of conversations about gun violence in black communities. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting that that you make that point about the race of the writers um, because I, I recently watched Save the Last Dance, and the dialogue in that is not great. <laughs> it like doesn't it doesn't sound like it was. Uh, you know, written by people who actually, like, came from the community that yeah. this takes place in. What was that episode called? The Family Matters one? Yeah, like, what season, what uh, episode? It was called The Gun. Do you know what season it was from? Season six. I am trying to find the right Oh, I did this. 
Alrighty, so. excuse me. Um, although I'm gonna mix them up. Uh, the gun, as far as I could tell, um, had one white rider, mm-hmm. and Joseph and Siva- I c- and the other guy had like barely existed, so like I couldn't identify what race he is. Um, and then the Fresh Prince episode had at least one black rider on it. Okay, uh, I think both of the guys that are credited with writing the Family Matters episode look like they're white. At least according to a cursory. Definitely one of them image look, search of their looks names. white. Yeah. Yeah, and obvi- like we talk about all the time on this show about, uh, in particular, women's stories not being told by women or for women um and that's and also disabled stories not being told by disabled people and stories about people of color not being told by people of color themselves and that's like a huge problem that we have and is part of the reason why so much of our media is like so weird and fucked up in all of the ways that we discuss uh update one writer of the Fresh Prince episode was black and one was white. One was a black woman. Are we going to talk about Maude next? Or that's, do you it, I, that's it. That's all I watched besides Maude. Okay. Because that's actually a perfect segue into Maude. Because that episode actually opens with Maude's daughter like explaining feminism to yeah. the black housekeeper. Oh man. There was like so much. I was like, oh no. I can't. I don't even... Yeah, um, so that was kind of a problematic dynamic, but I love that the housekeeper like immediately oh, sh- just kind of ducks on excellent. her. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, mod. Okay, so wow, wow, wow! This is a two-part mod episode um, that is about well, it's about Maud, who is forty-seven years old and finds out that she's pregnant. Um, in nineteen seventy-two. Yeah, um, and this is her fourth husband. They have no children together. She has one other child who is an adult who lives with her, and this and has and, an eight-year-old. Yes, of her eight-year-old own. grandson also lives with them. Um, and so her dilemma is what her, to do about the right, situation. Her dilemma is whether or not to have an abortion, which I don't know that when did it become legal. So Roe v. Wade happened in 1973, but uh, prior to that, on a state-by-state level, abortion was legalized. So this show takes place in New York, in Westchester Mm -hmm. County, actually, in Tuckahoe, which I drive through all the time. Um, And so at that point, in New York State... In 1972, it like was Like, over and over again, they kept being like, well, it's legal in New York now. Well, it's legal in New York mm-hmm. now. Um, right, so this follows Maude as she talks to her husband and her friends and her daughter about... And her and housekeeper. And her housekeeper um, about whether or not she should keep the baby and the journey that she goes through... Um, before she eventually decides that she will not keep the baby. Mm-hmm. And it's it hilarious. Is so, I mean, but it's just because of her. Like, like B. Arthur yeah. could say anything and make it funny. Yeah, I mean, and everyone on this show is incredible. Um, but I was, I mean, again, like we talked about before, that like sitcoms are so drastically different now. And um, 
it took me like a little while to get used to the audience laughter. Oh right, yeah. This um, was this is hard to watch for a few reasons. It's just yeah, it's also um, it's also shot like a stage play. Um, yeah, and performed like a stage play, really. Mm-hmm. But it's really funny because while she's having this like very serious conversation with her husband, you can hear somebody coughing. <laughs> <laughs> You can um, even hear, like, I, I watch it with headphones, and you can even hear, like, the echo on the sound recording of the actors talking a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I was really struck by, and I would say that this is true in kind of uh, all the episodes that I watched, at least, that they were a lot funnier than I expected them to be. Like, because I thought of a very special episode as like you know serious music and like everyone is having these heart-to-heart conversations but they are still Mm -hmm. sitcoms and I forgot about all the laughing that's involved I think this was the only one that I laughed at like for real laughed at Mm. um also Maude has an amazing theme song by Donny Hathaway that is just incredible uh and that was wonderful to hear but I it was interesting um, because one in three women will have an abortion by the time they're 45 I think is the statistic so this is something that is incredibly common it's a fact of life for women but nobody talks about it especially at this point in history um because of all of the political bullshit that has happened um, over the last like 20 years or so that the uh, anti-choice activists have really kind of stepped up their attacks on Roe v. Wade. And so it was jarring to me to see them discuss having an abortion so openly and so casually on national television in prime time like they even say the word abortion which is something that we would would never be on television oh, at least not i disagree in... i bet that's on television now like maybe so? not on like well there's so much more television now right like right yeah and i'm not i'm not talking about like hbo or, or trying, cable I or wonder. anything i'm talking about like primetime network television if there was an abortion I bet there line, I bet there it would be because think of like like not like think of a sitcom like Mom. Have you watched Mom? No. So Mom is um Alice and Jenny and um mm-hmm. oh my god, what's her name? Uh she's like really cute and she was married to um Chris Pratt. Anna oh, Anna Ferris. Uh as a mother and daughter who I'm not I think they're living together and they both have had like addiction problems like alcoholism like they got problems and it's still a sitcom it's you know um but I feel like they're that's just a show that came to mind because they don't like shy away from talking about a lot of things it seems to me on that show like the mm-hmm. small amount that I've watched it and so like that's on the network at like you know 8:30 on a weekday and like, to me, on a show like that, I feel like they might talk about something like that, and it wouldn't feel out of place. Um, I don't know that it's, like, it's not on every show, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that it would never happen, is all I mean. Yeah, no, you are right. I actually, I googled it, um, and, and this 
uh, article that came up, it cites Maud as like number one, but also um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I always forget is actually on the CW, had an episode about it, but also Jane the Virgin. I forgot her, Jane's mother has a medication abortion, actually. Um, And apparently one happened on Scandal and... Um, on Grey's Anatomy too, so it's definitely happened. But I, interestingly, and I haven't I haven't seen Scandal, so I did not see this episode. But um, the episode in which Olivia Pope, who is played, who is um, the main character played by Carrie Washington, who is in Save the Last Dance as a wee babe, and she's adorable. Uh, anyway, back to this very serious topic that we're talking about. Um, on that hour-long episode, it had no dialogue. Oh, wow. Which I think is interesting. I mean, it's... it's, And I'm going to watch this after we finish recording, so I'm sure it's fa- a fascinating way to explore this experience. But at the same time, I think it says a lot that no one literally talked about it on that episode. And maybe they talked about it in other episodes. I don't know. But... Um, I think that the thing that was so jarring about the mod episode is how casually and like cheerily they're they're discussing it um, and that they're not using a lot of euphemisms. Well, I think that was also like maybe, and I'm pulling all this out of my ass, based on context clues, <laughs> just like kind of a sign of the times because it was this time period where you know, they talk multiple times in this episode. The women are like, we are liberated now. Like, they literally yeah. say that multiple times. Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole bent of Maud, like, as right. a show. And so, like, and, like, so for them to, it's, like, them finding their freedom in that, you know, and, mm-hmm. like, purposefully talking about it really casually because they're right. liberated now. Yeah. And I love that, um, just that I love that this is a representation of abortion that is different than the general narrative of why people have abortions, you know, which is that, you know, some teenager wasn't being careful and got knocked up right. or whatever. But this is a woman who is significantly older. She or She's already had a kid. Her um, husband doesn't want kids her husband doesn't want kids you know like it's just like a very different person than the like image of people who get abortions is I think and it's important to to show that people have abortions for a variety of reasons in a variety of situations and because medication abortion is an option now in a variety of ways too you know um and that it doesn't, you know, there, there's, she has this dilemma that she's wrestling with in this episode, but it's not this huge, huge thing. Like, it's not that they're treating it lightly or anything like that, but it's not, I mean, it is the whole driving narrative of these two episodes, but I'm having a hard time articulating that her, like, she's concerned that she if she has an abortion, it's not the right thing to do, but it's not like, I'm going to, it's not this, like, huge religious overtone. No, in fact, her daughter points out, like, I love what her daughter says to her, which is, like, 
she basically is like, Mom, I know, like, you when you when you were growing up, this was illegal. It was dangerous. Oh yeah. And so because of like the messaging that you received about it growing up, and it was sinister. Yeah, she used yeah. the word sinister. Which she I was like was because really of the messaging that you received about this for most of your life, you have. But not just the messaging. Like I'm sure that 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 character, that woman would know yeah. other women mm-hmm. who like died having an abortion or you know were seriously injured or had to go somewhere for several months you know like to a convent or something to give birth to a baby that they would never see again like it's not it's not just a matter of messaging for her like she lived in a time when this really was dangerous and scary and not okay and that probably people that she knows were affected by that yeah so her kid was like mom i get it and like you don't have to be ashamed of this it is legal now it's okay and you don't have to be scared of it like i know you feel scared and i know you feel shame and like you don't have to feel either of those things anymore it's it's just like going to the dentist and she's like oh well now i'm really afraid um her daughter says, like, you know, it was a sinister, terrible thing, and you've never gotten over it. And at first, Maud is like, no, it's not that, whatever. And then eventually she's like, no, you're right, and I haven't gotten yeah. over it. Uh, which was just felt, like, really powerful to me, like, admitting that, you know, that abortion being legal and inaccessible has serious consequences and, like, serious um, ramifications for people and and even if she didn't know somebody that that happened to like just the amount of fear that you would carry around knowing that like if you did get if you did get pregnant for whatever reason and didn't want to have that baby forever for whatever reason that like your options were incredibly limited and incredibly terrifying yeah um like that's traumatic yeah women i mean we're still trapped but, like, they were way more trapped. Yeah, she even, like, she, both she and her husband both make casual suicide jokes about the fact that she's pregnant. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. I, wow. Speaking of her husband, I really like his, he does a whole monologue where he's talking about how he just never wanted kids. Like, he's also older. And he was like, you know, I used to feel ashamed about it and like yeah I like kids but I like other people's kids like I've never had the desire to have my own kids and it was just like you know it was nice we never get to hear people yeah I mean it's so which is like a totally valid option is just not wanting children and uh culturally we treat it as like this thing that like oh if you don't want kids there's something wrong with you but like not everyone should have children and if people are aware of the fact that they shouldn't have children or don't want children. That's a good yeah. thing. Um, and it also brought up a lot about age and pregnancy, which is less of a mm-hmm. thing today than it was then. But then it was, like, right. crazy that she would have a child at 47. I don't know. I mean, yes, crazy. But, like, at the same time, women thinking that they were done with their reproductive years and then suddenly finding themselves pregnant, I, I don't think was actually that Well, everyone uncommon. on this treated it like it was crazy that she Yeah, would... but there's that other woman in her neighborhood that, like, stops by but to use her But even that woman is only, that... like, 40. They, oh, like, put... Okay. She's she definitely older. younger. 
Yeah. Um, and then this episode became like a weird commercial for vasectomies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was also, like, an interesting side of this, but, like, was a little too... It really felt like a commercial. Yeah. Well, a commercial, but at the same time, it. I mean, it kind of was that, like, people... I mean, we didn't even get the best sex ed in the 90s, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, people did not necessarily know that that was an option or had very vague ideas of what it meant like even the guy getting the vasectomy doesn't know what it yeah, entails I mean, he's really scared you about know? it too because he, he thinks he's gonna get his yeah. balls cut off which is not what happens when you have a vasectomy you know um and it's an interesting juxtaposition of um a woman facing the physical toll of pregnancy or abortion versus a man having a vasectomy which really is like such a minor 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 mm-hmm. procedure and like abortion actually is not as involved as uh, a lot of anti-choice activists will have you believe but at the same time it's not nothing it is safer than childbirth but it's not nothing and it's a physical thing for your body to have to go through um and you know women are burdened with these physical consequences of just being alive but then also you know whether whether you have a child or you have an abortion like something is happening inside and to your body that is not going to be entirely well, and pleasant. that you like um, potentially like depending on how crazy your hormones are that you actually cannot control at all right right you know versus like oh your balls are going to be sore for a few afternoons you know <laughs> like it's it's uh, it's frustrating that women have to carry so much of the, the burden for, uh, you know, growing a human being inside of them. But also, we're pretty magical because we can. I know, it's grow fucking insane. Human beings like, inside of us, so. Because it's so common, I feel like we don't really appreciate like how, like, how absolutely yeah. bonkers pregnancy yeah. is. Grow that person a human was not there before, <laughs> and then you grew no. them. Well, technically, technically, you're born with all of the eggs inside your body that but you're ever going to have. Person before. True. Very true. Although, other people would have you believe no, they were otherwise. Not when they were eggs. Um, yes, that is scientifically accurate. Uh, I also like how they talk about birth control and how it's not always. Uh, contraception is a more complicated thing than just taking a pill every day because the pill, first of all, well, back then I think there was probably only one or two and you probably did not get an option, but now there's like so many different pills that can affect people differently. Anyway, um, like her daughter was like, I thought you were on the pill or whatever, or maybe it was her friend. Um, and she was like, no, like, I, I don't want to take it because it gives me migraines, which was for some reason a laugh line. I know. Why did they laugh, laugh at that? that? I noticed I don't that know. also. Uh, I found that really interesting. But, um, you know, like, uh, contraception is complicated and different people have to use different methods for different reasons. And again, that so often falls on women. Um, so I, I like that they kind of like... It's nice. Well, yeah, and that was that one of the things too, though, that it. I was like, "Wow, this is literally the same conversation that we're having now today." Mm-mm. Like right. almost not different at all. Yeah, uh, they even uh, briefly mention IUDs, mm-hmm. and uh, well, because 
uh, Maude said that they were doing things the old-fashioned way. Um, and then uh, Rue McClanahan's character says there's no such thing as old old-fashioned hypocrisy dis- hypocrisy Hippocrates described the IUD thing over 2,000 years ago which I don't think I knew mm. that humans have been using IUDs for that long although I think this was before the bad IUDs happened <laughs> the ones that they had to oh, yeah, recall and then everyone got afraid of IUDs for a really long time but, but then it's okay. we thought They're we back were going to lose everything and so then everyone got an IUD like two years ago yeah which was maybe not the best idea because somebody has to take it out eventually <laughs> and like if our healthcare system collapses you know i don't think it's going to collapse so hard so fast that you can't get your iud removed i would not count on that but anyway I mean, I get one so also <laughs> also uh this was a time before heimlich maneuver ubiquity right? because her husband almost chokes <laughs> to death and a doctor just gives him bread I to had swallow. two problems with this um one was that like he was choking but he was still clearly breathing so he wasn't choking yeah. so bad that he needed the heimlich because he could still breathe there was not something completely blocking his airway but yeah then the doctor gave him bread and that's how he stopped choking what is that which i guess i don't know maybe that's how they used to deal with choking i'm not sure there was um, okay this is a good segue into there was like just a like oh because mod is drinking oh, yeah, she too. Is. but there is like a <laughs> there's a couple of things in this episode like there's a couple of jokes that i was just like i don't get that because i don't know what you're talking about it was clear like of the times yeah. but i googled one of them because they kept saying they kept asking her if she was sure she was pregnant and she kept saying the rabbit died and eventually i was like that must mean something okay here's what that means so the way that they used to do pregnancy tests and i think i think by this time there were other options available um but this started in like the 1930s um in order to test whether or not a woman was pregnant they would take like either some of her blood or urine which has a if you're pregnant has a hormone in it i think Mm -hmm. hgh is the hormone um i forget what it is but that's what they're testing for and so they would they would take it and they would inject it into a mouse and then later a rabbit which is where the saying came from um and if it oh god i forget what it does it like enlarges the animal's ovaries or like something it has it has some effect on the animal, and so then and they then let yeah it dies. no it doesn't die. So then a couple days oh. later they will kill it and dissect oh, it no. to see um, whether or not Jesus the, the hormone was present. And and I thought old timey home pregnancy tests were bad. That's right. crazy. So, um, there is a common misconception about this test that it would kill the animal, which it didn't actually. Wow. But so that's it became a saying like. If you're pregnant, you say the rabbit died. That's so grim. Yeah. Also, it's very crazy that not that long ago, you would have no way to know if you were pregnant or not until... Well, I guess, like, if your belly starts growing, yes. But, like, at the same time, like, maybe you just have a tumor. And you won't know until you go into labor. Yeah, but also, like, you wouldn't get a period. And your belly would be growing. There are clues. Yeah, clues. 
But you don't know that for sure. There are plenty of reasons sure. why you might not be getting a period. But often. So many reasons. Often. But again, like the knowledge that people had about this stuff was incredibly limited. You know, like, and I'm not talking about like the early 20th century. I'm talking about like before that, probably, where like, you know, no one was having the talk with young women. You know what I mean? And like, if you got assaulted or whatever, you might wind up pregnant and have no idea what's happening to your body because that's no the one plot of Spring Awakening. That that's what happens. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've never oh, seen that. I've seen it so many times. It's my favorite. Um. Yeah, but it's like a bunch of kids in like the 1800s, and uh, this girl and this boy have sex, and he knows how it works, but she doesn't because her mom lied to her. And then, mm. and then they find out that she's pregnant, and she's like, "What the fuck, mom? You lied to me. Like I asked you about this, and you didn't tell me. Like so, the poor girl just like had no idea that that's what she was doing. Yeah, she just thought she was getting laid, and it was good. Man, being a woman is. And then the she worst. has an abortion, and she dies. Yeah. Aww. I liked that in this episode. They show that you can be extremely pro-choice and still not necessarily want to have an abortion yourself. Yeah. You know? You can still support people's right to choose without, you know, necessarily having an abortion. Yeah. Well, and that's I, not what you want I for liked, your body and your I life. I like that lesson a lot, like, as a general lesson for how to treat other people and mm. other people's choices. Yeah, yeah it's Which is, like, something one. I've been, like, actively trying to practice, like... To be like, mm. oh, that's not for me, but for you, great, like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just as a yeah. way of, like, supporting other people and their choices, especially other women and their choices. Mm-hmm. Whatever, dudes, sorry, whatever. <laughs> well, no, because, I mean, women's choices, especially women's choices with regard to their body, and especially um, in the case of what if they're pregnant women's choices are so like heavily policed not just by men but also by but other women, women. Yeah, i mean and women's choices about everything are generally policed right. by everyone else and you know yeah. we we grow up like kind of learning to judge each other in this really shitty way yeah and so it's like actively but... trying to do whatever the opposite of that is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Maude uh, drinks alcohol in this episode, and she jokes that, like, she's drinking for two, I'm drinking for two, you know, make mine a double, um, and I was like, did they, is this a, is this a joke because they know that alcohol is bad for a fetus, or is this just a joke? <laughs> I can like, I couldn't, I don't know, like, when that knowledge, like, entered, yeah. you know, people's, people's lives. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, if that happened now, like somebody would call the police on her. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Just, I mean, pregnant women's choices are so incredibly policed. It's unbelievable. Like how, whether it's, uh, oh, I told this story on the episode of Cinemakers where we talk about the first Look Who's Talking movie, which, um, I feel like shares a kinship with this uh, story arc in a lot of ways because like it sneak attacks a lot of information about like pregnancy and stuff the way that this kind of does about vasectomies and whatever but uh two very good friends of mine just had a beautiful little baby girl 
And like the day after my friend had given birth, she's in the hospital and a doctor comes into the room. It's not her doctor. It's just a doctor who's covering, doing rounds, whatever. They had a box of munchkins on the table, like from Dunkin' Donuts. And the doctor comes in and like, without even introducing himself, like this is how he's, his first impression with a patient is that he says, uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to pull up the text message because I just want to make sure that I get it right. Okay. Yeah. So she said some doctor, not mine, covering, came in to check me out yesterday morning, said I seemed good, all was well, then looked at the munchkins on the table my parents had brought and went, no more Dunkin' Donuts, huh? We're obviously like question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. And he's like, gotta lose that waist postpartum, right? Come on. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. She literally gave birth yesterday. And uh, she said, like, of course, this doctor was not an Adonis himself. Like, he was not at all in shape or whatever. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine ever, even like jokingly saying saying that to another person. Yeah, let alone, like, the first thing that you say to them. Yeah, like, in that... God, it's just so gross. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I'm super nauseous, and I really appreciated the line when Maud says, I have a case of morning sickness that makes me feel like I'll live maybe tops 11 minutes. That was so funny. Which is kind of... Yeah, which is how I felt all week. I'm not pregnant. I'm just nauseous, but... It made me laugh so, so hard. I rewound it like three times. She had a lot of really good lines. I didn't write any of them Mm -hmm. down, but I laughed a lot of times when she talked. I love that he says to her, for you, Maud, for me, in the privacy of our own lives, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I really liked that whole scene. And then she Mm -hmm. was just like, hug me really close. Oh, so nice. Yeah. I thought I was going to have a lot more to say about that, those two episodes. Um, I don't really, but people everyone should watch it it should be required viewing yeah oh also i love the painting that they have on their living room wall it's oh i'll send you a picture it's this beautiful uh abstract it's um like blue and light green uh on a white canvas and in this specific scene that i screenshot Maud is wearing a scarf that matches it and i love it it's the same colors yeah it's nice also, everyone's hair was amazing. Her hair makes her look older than 47. Yeah, I loved their kitchen. It's so, like, brown and orange and yellow and 70s. <laughs> they also had on, in the second episode, some, like, crazy maxi dresses. Oh, At yeah? At least the daughter I did. I noticed. I think it was in this. I don't know. She had a really nice bathrobe. I robe. watched so many sitcoms today. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, boy. There's a, a lot of stuff to shove into my head very quickly. Those are all my notes for Maud. Yeah, mine too. Cool. Well, I liked this episode a lot. I feel like, like for me, this episode got back to like our roots. When I was like, yeah, this stuff lives in my brain, and now it's back in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, uh, I'm really happy that I finally got a chance to watch these episodes of Maud, because... Like, I have known about them for a long time, and I just never saw them. Um, But I was reminded that Norman Lear is a genius. Um, Have you watched uh, One Day at a Time on Netflix? So that's actually a reboot of another 70s sitcom that he had done. Um, But in this newer Netflix version, it's about a multi-generational Latinx family. 
and the daughter is queer and they deal with immigration issues and it's just like really so well done and so (laughs) funny um and i love it so much so um i highly recommend that people watch it i think there's two seasons on Netflix now, and they renewed it for a third season. Oh, there's even a disabled character that's actually played by a disabled actress. So that's cool. It's very funny. And also very touching, just like Maud was. And I can't wait to watch more Maud I now. I feel like, well, this I feel like podcast I, now. I probably won't watch Maud, if I'm being honest, but I probably will watch a lot of clips of B. Arthur. Mm. Yeah. And I'll see, like, where that leads me, you know? Yeah. She's so good. Yeah. She's very excellent. American treasure. All right. Well, you got anything to plug, Kara? Uh, subscribe and listen to Cinemakers. Um, but also go to cageclub.me slash Kara, C-A-R-A, to find all of my guest appearances on other podcasts on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Um... You can follow me on Instagram at Bimps, B-I-M-P-S-E. Oh, also, um, I'm not going to have a job anymore come December 31st. So if you know of any part-time work-from-home opportunities that are not pyramid schemes, (laughs) please contact me. I still will have jobs, but my big day job is going away. It's ending. So trying to figure out what 2019 is going to be. How about you, Jordan? Um, much less than you. I'm still on Instagram <laughs> at JordoPC. Uh, I do some circus stuff on there that I'm pretty proud of. Um, but that's it. We will cool. talk to you next week for an episode of What Am I Chewing? And two weeks there'll be another episode of Wistful Thinking. Bye! Bye. Lady Godiva was a freedom rider. She didn't care if the whole world Joan of Arc with the Lord to guide her. She was a sister who really could. Isadora was the first proper age of that she showed up. The country was falling apart, Betsy Ross got it all sold up. And then there's Maud. 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 That uncompromising, enterprising, anything but tranquilizing. Right on, Maud.